Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off to Post. Uh, one of our questions is about where the music that started the show uh, went to. My answer to that question is Tom is responsible for editing, and I will pass the buck to him and take no responsibility for the music disappearing. Tom, your retort? What the fuck? Also, before the show began, I asked Tom if he's ever just laid down in bed and poured uh, just like uh, fresh maple syrup all over his bare chest, and he told me he doesn't do that. And now, now that I think about that, Tom, now that you're in bear country, you probably don't want to do that. Yeah, and plus, maple syrup is very expensive when you you know get really good maple syrup. So, is maple syrup expensive? Oh yeah, like when you uh, get like pure maple syrup. It can get very costly. Just fucking punch a tree. What's the big deal? Well, there's a long process for it's the syrup because you're taking the sap and it's 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 a very long process. I wish you could just punch a tree. Were, I didn't know you were a woodsman, Tom. Um, with that revelation of Tom being a woodsman wearing a, uh, a raccoon uh, coonskin cap, let's go right into our favorite question of the week, uh, which Tom pointed out to me. Which is from Buford T. Buford. Uh, if you were to replace all the general managers in the NHL with raccoons, which team would benefit the most? Tom? It's an interesting question, and I'm trying to think logically. Um, but before I give my answer, just some, some interesting raccoon facts. Raccoon hands look like humans. They have five fingers and use their hands to collect food, open shells, doors, or trash cans. They are omnivores that like to eat insects, eggs, small mammals, fruit, berries, seed, and garbage. And they often place their food in water before they start to eat it. Does this do anything to answer your question? No. Did I feel like sharing some interesting raccoon facts? Yes, but my answer, I would say the Ottawa Senators, um, just because I think a raccoon in charge could, you know, do no better, no worse than uh, Pierre Dorian, and uh, that's true. That's my answer. I pick the Ottawa Senators. It's a low-hanging fruit, but you know, raccoons like low-hanging fruit. <laughs> they would like low-hanging fruit. Um, I adore raccoons. I, I looked up before. Uh, we started off the post. Apparently, they only live like up to three years in the wild, which really bummed me out. Um, but I guess that's the life of a trash panda. I've had a couple of experiences with raccoons in my life. None better than uh, seeing an ex-girlfriend up in Canada who went to throw out some garbage, and in the dumpster, the bottom of the dumpster, there was a like a morbidly obese raccoon <laughs> that was just stuck in there and like a kindly old man walked by and took a uh what is it called a, a, you know like a wooden pallet and put it in there so that it could use it as a ladder to get out and he's like oh yeah he gets in there all the time um and it was just like that raccoon had figured out life he just ate you know whatever garbage was there from the development and uh i just it made me so happy um but yeah i know way too many things about raccoons as most of you know i'm an animal dork uh, I highly recommend YouTubing Raccoon and Cotton Candy because there is a cruel Japanese game show where, uh, wherein they put cotton candy in a raccoon's enclosure in a zoo and they obsessively wash all food they eat in water. And so the poor little raccoon washes cotton candy in water and it dissolves. Oh, that's so terrible! And then he goes to eat it, Tom, 
And it's not there. And he looks around. Aww. He doesn't understand object permanence. So <laughs> That's fucking terrible. Right? It's pretty rough. Um, I mean, if he did, he would end up with raccoon diabetes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, my answer to the question, I don't know. I thought Bill Guerin had a pretty rough offseason, Tom, uh, in Minnesota. Pretty rough. I think the Zuccarello contract was silly. I can't disagree with you, though, in terms of Pierre Dorian. I think a series of raccoons in a business suit might do just as well as Pierre. God bless him. Um, I I think the... In terms of the GMs who... I don't necessarily think they always make bad moves, but they... A GM who mystifies me and I don't really understand is Mark, Berge, Mark uh, Bergevin. Um, yeah, and I don't know. After that... After that... After the Devil's offseason and that Taylor Hall trade... Ray Shiro a little bit, right? Like a little bit? I could see that. Also, Jason Botterill, that Jeff Skinner contract. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy, that, that Jeff Skinner contract. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Here's a, easily a couple. I think Jeff Gordon is better than a series of raccoons, though, by, by a good stretch. Jeff Gordon is a good trader, for the most part. I mean, speaking in generality, I'd say he's a good trader. Um... All right, yeah. On to the next question, Tom. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, it's a, it's a strong start. I don't know how we followed that. Um, All downhill we, from here. Can we? This is from Adam Furlong. Can we please get an explanation on Panarin's first name spelling? He adds a Y on his Instagram account, but all of the Rangers' official PR excludes the Y. Hoping you guys don't pull a Joe and not look at this beforehand. Don't worry, Adam. The days of Joe are gone. He's busy child-rearing, and as a matter of fact, Tom is the perfect guy to answer this question, right, Tom? Yeah, so the simple answer is this. Before the season, uh, the NHL EA Sports account tweeted out some graphics of new players uh, or players that traded teams during the offseason, and one of them was Artemi Panarin, and he quote-tweeted it uh, with a comment of, um, why are you missing the Y on my name or something to that effect? So I saw the tweet and I, I DM'd Artemi and I said, hey. You're good, buddy, Artemi. Yeah, we're, we're real close. You know, he, 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 he responded rather quickly and he's like. Put maple syrup on your chest, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, it's Artemi Panarin. I mean, it's what are you going to do? Season. It's like, what are you, what are you going to do if, you know, he's he says, hey, I. Say I, no I to that. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I, I DM, you know, Mr. Artemi Panarin, and it's like, hey, you know, I saw your tweet, you know, is your name Artemi with a Y as opposed to Artemi with an I? And he goes, hey, in Passport says Artemi, IDK why everyone says Artemi with an I. So, that, that was pretty much it. And if you've noticed, he's changed his Twitter account to have the why his instagram account has the why so why the rangers don't recognize that i really don't know um if someone wants to ask them be my guest i i wasn't going to be the one to go hey you know uh already told me he wants his name spelled with a y but yeah. you're more than free to do it if you'd like also it's worth mentioning i think that uh the telekravstov i believe the russian spelling uh, the phonetic spelling is vitaly with a y um, but in the States, I think it, it, we ended with an I. It's Vitaly with an I at the end. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of little inconsistencies, a lot of little uh, tweaks like that, um, especially with Russian. Um, like Shashurkin, Shashurkin. 
Yeah, you know what? That's an even better example because that's so much more dramatic, right? It's what was it's Shostyorkin was Y O R K, right? It was Shostyorkin um, because it was the more phonetic spelling of it, but like the simple, like simplified, you know, anglicized version is Shostyorkin, where it's the E R K I N. Um, but you know, we we've seen it in the past with a, with several Russian names. We even saw it in the past, uh, you know, you know, in regards to. Um, and it was Zuccarello dropping Zuccarello Austin wasn't quite the same thing, but you know we've seen um, who was it? It wasn't R Jesper fast. It was the yeah, it was. Was it was it R Jesper who dropped the H? Yeah, and that's how we, he became faster because he had one less letter. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's a lot of little things like that that change over. Obviously, that's Swedish, not Russian, but I mean that's the bottom that's the bottom of the barrel in that story, Adam. Is that uh? You know, I think there's just anglicized versions. Um, at Blue Shirt Banner, I think most of us use uh, the spelling that Artemi prefers. Um, just because, you know, hey, that's the way he likes his name. Uh, that's the way we're going to write it. Um, I would imagine if you pay a guy just under $12 million a year, you might want to spell his name the way he likes it. But hey, that's not for us to decide, Tim. Um, World by Mike asks, ignoring whether or not you think DQ should or will be fired do you think the rangers would ever hire a european head coach are there any that would interest you tom i think they would because i feel that as an organization the rangers have always been at least when it comes to players they've always been well represented internationally and i know they were one team was sort of ahead of the curve with you know having you know a number of russians on on the roster um so I don't think it would be a situation of they would really care if the, the coach was from North America. But the one name that is brought up time and time again is uh, Ricard Gronborg. Uh, he's currently uh, coaching in, the, in uh, Zurich. He's coaching the ZSC Lions. Prior to that... He had, you know, a lengthy head coaching career, um, you know, of Sweden, whether it be at the World Championships, the World Junior Tournament, um, you know, pretty much since 2006-07 to the up this year, he was doing all of this stuff in Sweden. And prior to that, he had been an assistant coach for the Spokane Chiefs of the WHL. He was a a head coach, or rather assistant coach, and an associate coach at St. Cloud State University of Wisconsin, Stout, a D3 team. And then he was also a GM head coach for Great Falls Americans at the AWHL. So he had some experience in North America. He decided to go back overseas. Um... But he's a name that's that's brought up a, a bunch. I know Elliot Friedman has has written about him uh, on num- numerous occasions. Yeah, and and Jeffy Merrick likes him too, from what I remember. Um, the one that the he's in Buffalo now, but uh, Ralph Kruger is a not just a coach, but a human being that fascinates me. Um, I have always been really interested by Kruger and the path he's taken to coaching. You know, with his soccer background and uh, the way he. You know, his kind of unconventional approach to leadership and, and cultivating, you know, athletes and getting them comfortable, I think, is really fun. Uh, I like things that are a little bit different like that. I like the, this idea of an outside perspective because, frankly, I feel like, you know, with coaches, it's just a lot of recycling that goes on, Tom. <laughs> we see a lot of the same names crop up all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, so I would love for the Rangers to look outside uh, the box and think outside the box. Uh, I I would love 
uh, you know, when we were writing about who could potentially be on the coaching staff for Hartford or who could be assistant coaches for Quinn, I wrote about like, hey, you know, there's a whole fleet of, you know, women's hockey coaches who are prolific and incredibly successful. And, you know, Toronto has, you know, jumped on adding, uh, you know, Needham and, you know, Wickenizer to, you know, their their scouting department and player development. Like, it, it's not a bad thing to be ahead of the curve in things like, you know, looking to other areas to improve, you know, your game and, and you know, your team culture. Like, I, I'm all for thinking outside the box of that stuff. Go for it. Like, it's got to be better than... You know, having Jack Capuano as assistant coach or Lindy Ruff as assistant coach, when you know what you're getting there, and it, it hasn't worked, um, so I don't know why people think it'll work in a new location. But yeah, I mean, I want it, new ideas. I want new ideas, new faces. Um, you know, not not to say I want them to just run out in the street and grab someone. You know, who has a you know who's you know husking on the street for you know. I know they're banging cymbals together, letting their do- dog jump around in a tutu. I'm not saying you make that person your head coach, but think outside the box, for the love of God. Um, next question from Mateusz Petrzynski. Uh This was a question I think Tom will be... This was the one I, I'm going to rub my forehead about. Not because it's a bad question, but because it makes me face an uncomfortable truth. Hey guys, what grade would you give Capo Caco's season so far? I kind of feel like you have to go in the middle and it's a situation of like I would say he's been average and I don't know I guess you would call that maybe like a C um a lot of people will point in his underwhelming analytics but a lot of that is driven by um you know a tough first I think it was 10 or 11 games or so but when you look at his actual raw point production i believe he doesn't rate uh poorly um in the context of other recent number two overall picks so we gotta keep in mind that this is an 18 year old kid and he's making you know a pretty big adjustment so it's 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 tough c plus for mike i'd give him like a c right in the middle Ooh, you're you're more tough than I was gonna be. I thought you were gonna be a little more lenient. Yeah, I think that's the ballpark for him. Uh, I feel like you can you can obviously point to a lot of things impacting his game uh, negatively in terms of his deployment, who he's been playing with. None of those things help. The fact that he was on the fourth line recently with Brett Howden and Brendan Smith that's not gonna help Capo Caco turn things around. Um, I appreciate the logic behind it from Quinn's perspective of. This is a way to rattle a kid's cage or wake him up. Um, but I, I would lean towards the idea of working with him and practice a little bit more. And obviously, that could be those could be steps that he's doing and taking. But I'm not sure what you expect to change there uh, with Capo Caco. And you know what? I this is, might not be a popular thing, Tom. But like, if if he needs a taste of the AHL. I, I'm not against it. I'm really not against it. Whatever is best for him for ice time at this point. Like, let let her figure itself out. I'm sure a lot of people would freak out, but, you know, like, uh, if he needs a confidence boost, if he needs, some like, a little change of pace, I know some people might be coming for me with pitchforks for saying that, but honestly, like, you know, if this kid wasn't 
the you know second overall pick if he was the 15th overall pick I feel like we'd be saying that already so I don't feel like there's anything wrong with saying that I also feel like it should be obvious that Capocanco's future is incredibly bright I just think he's had like you said I know I said it in the flagship like there's been a very clear just from the eye test it really looks like he is going through an adjustment period here with the North American game like things like understanding how much time and space he has defensive assignments what he's doing like he's made a, a lot of really kind of boneheaded plays in terms of outlet passes uh transitioning from the defensive zone to the neutral zone i have noticed a lot lately when he does get the puck in the defensive zone he doesn't always make a good decision with it and i feel like that is a question of time and space and frankly the speed of the game in the nhl as opposed to the liga and those sort of things stand out like the more we watch him the more we see those little things and encouragingly we also see those flashes of skill that make us you know just salivate for what the future can hold but it's going to take time and that's okay but right now yeah that's cc plus i think is pretty fair tom uh let's go on to the next one what would be realis- realistic returns for Kreider, strom and georgiev and would you listen to calls on hayek or howden so I'll answer the last part of the question first. I would I would definitely listen to any offers on Hayek or Howden. Um, you know, no one. I mean, I'm not saying I would look to trade him, but like I would say, you look at this roster and yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of Kreider, I think a first round pick is, is something that's realistic. Uh, like we talked about on the flagship, it was reported, you know, yeah. TSN, a first round and a, you know, mid-level prospect. Strom, I think, is like a second round pick or a sort of youngish prospect, you know, not a, you know, top plate prospect. Um, and Gorgiev, it's tough just because in recent history, and I've said this again, you know, a number of times, the last real in-season goalie trade of, um, you know, notoriety was Ryan Miller from Buffalo to the St. Louis Blues. They're so rare. Yeah, so, but again, it's like, it's tough because Gorgiev is young and he'll be an RFA and he's not going to command a ton of money and there's that potential there, so it's it's just tough. I mean, if he, the thing with it with a trade like a goalie trade, the one, I mean, I think a lot of Rangers fans might point to, you know, a, a significant goalie trade in recent Rangers history, which is the Cam Talbot trade, and, you know, they can also point to obviously Auntie Ranta being a part of that big package. But of course, the big piece there was Derek Stepan. Um, it wasn't Auntie Ranta. Auntie Ranta was, you know, the the kind of ancillary, uh, superfluous aspect of that trade. The the trade that sweetened the pot that made it so the Rangers got back a prospect like D'Angelo in addition to the seventh overall pick. Um, and, you know, Tom, like, I I would, like, for Strom, I feel like a second is where I would start. For Kreider, I think it starts at a first, and if a team's not willing to move at first, you hang up the phone on them. Uh, for Strom, I, I think the same policy should be true of you start with a second, and if you're not talking second, we're going to hang up the phone. Um, and I don't think that's unreasonable, uh, frankly, for Strom, given what he's done for his value this season. Uh, Georgiev, I agree with everything you're saying. If I, if like my arm is twisted for Georgiev, because the team that acquires him, Tom, 
would be getting someone they have control on because he he is an RFA still, right? The return would have to be relatively significant. What that means depends entirely on the assets that the team that is pursuing him has, like what they consider to be, you know, an area of need or an area of excess, or an area of an abundance, I should say, as opposed to excess, because I don't think any team says we have an excess of anything. Like a team like San Jose, who needs goaltending like, you know, birds need feathers. Like, what would they give up for someone like your give? It's really hard to say. And the reason it's so hard to say is because we don't see this happen a lot. We don't see teams like the Ra- like the Rangers are in such a unique position where they can afford to move a goalie who's, frankly, he could be like the 1A goalie of a platoon or even a starting goalie in this league um, and an above average one at that, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, for another five years maybe, Tom. So that's quite a commodity. The Rangers need to tread carefully here, but you have to listen. Uh, I would imagine all those things considered, I think the Rangers would... If it's me, I would say I want a good young forward prospect for someone like Yorgiev, um, or a young player who can make an impact that's, you know, maybe a year, two, maybe let's say two years younger than Yorgiev, someone who's ready to play now, uh, who can be like a second, third line guy, a middle six forward, uh, specifically a winger, uh, although honestly, this team would take a center as well. That's my that's my stretching, like if I have to answer, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and again, I guess the Rangers sort of have somewhat of luxury of time where if they don't get the offer they want for Gorgiev, they always can you know, do something in the offseason. But I think what you described yeah. is, is around the range. That was from at TCO Payne, by the way. I'll try and read people's uh, Twitter handles because we do appreciate you guys writing in with your questions. Matthias Przinski was at Matty... I-811. Uh, this is from Andrew Metric, Metric A. Uh, metric with a K at the end. When Ryan Strom proposes the X term, X dollars to Gordon, what is X for you to say yes to the deal? So Tom, how sweet does that deal from Ryan Strom's camp have to be for you to say, you know what, Ryan Strom? Forget it. We're keeping you. I mean, I'm not a fan of re-signing him because... Is maple syrup, Tom? <laughs> Because it doesn't, a deal that makes sense really doesn't exist because he's in such a unique spot that he is a former top pick that has, you know, sort of um, meandered throughout the league in terms of, you know, his production. He's now in a spot where he is producing at a really good level and he's going to look to capitalize. Um, So I just don't see a short term deal existing and therefore. It, it doesn't make sense because you don't, as long as he's on the roster, it's something that's going to be a block in the way of Philip Heedle as the number two center. And I think we've seen flashes of that with Heedle this year. And I'd love an environment where he can just hold that role and, all right, we have to bounce you to the wing to make room for someone. Or, oh, we're going to bounce you to the third line to move for someone. Yeah, I completely sign off on your point. Um, I'm right there with you. Like, uh, right now, his cap it is three point one million. Um, uh, if Strom wants 
like let's say Strom says, what about one more year at 3.1 million? I might listen then, honestly, I might. Uh, but honestly, I don't think I don't think that's what he wants. I think this is a guy who would love to have a payday after the way he's playing, um, and after you know his stock has definitely gone up uh, being with the Rangers this season. Like the thing about Strom, Tom, we didn't mention this in the flagship. We just talked about him continuing to play well. But if you just want to talk box car stats, Tom. Mm-hmm. With 63 games with the Rangers last season, he had 33 points, 18 goals. So, like, you know, it was pretty good numbers. 18 goals, 15 assists. In 33 games this year, that's 30 fewer games. He already has 28 points. He's five points shy of what he did uh, last season with the Rangers. Uh, uh, it's very assist-heavy. He only has six goals, uh, 22 assists. But, I mean, the stock's not going down. Uh, which has not been the case for his career, frankly, since he since he came out of the draft. And I I would be hard like you. I just think it's so hard because the the anxiety I have with him ties directly into what you're saying with Heedle. Like if you say, you know what, we're gonna keep Strom around just to just to serve as a placeholder for that two C role, and then like oh, okay, but. At what point does that actually serve as an obstacle to Heedle, right? Because it does. Indirectly it does. And directly it does in both cases. Because you have to do that thing like you're saying, all right, yeah, I guess we'll have to play you on the wing. And then he doesn't develop as a center. So that's why I I really do hesitate at pretty much any deal for Strom uh, that keeps him around. Which is not to say that, frankly, you know, he's playing in a way where he deserves a contract extension. Um, He's just playing in a way where I think he's getting a lot of attention, much of it richly deserved, and you know, I know what the underlying numbers look like, but I also know that he's found a way to succeed playing with good players, and you do need credit for that. He deserves some credit for that. From Alex Khalifa, Tom, good guy in sports is the Twitter handle. Who should be the next call-up from Hartford, Tom? It's a tough question. Um, I would probably say, depending, it could go one of two directions, so if we're talking based on merit, it's just Yarkin. And then if we're talking on, you know, fit, you would gotta think that it would be um Rikov at some point in terms of what the Rangers could look to try on on the left side. You stole my answers, um, and I love you for it. The only other name I was gonna mention there is just to give him a little cup, a little taste of coffee, is that sweet, sweet Joey Keane. Uh, I feel like he's earned it. Um, just to be frank, the problem, the problem for sweet, sweet Joey Keen is he's a right side defenseman, Tom. <laughs> yep, so, this is like John Gilmore all over again. Where yeah. if John Gilmore was right-handed, if Joey Keen was left-handed. Yeah, just a real kick of the pants for Joey Keen. That like, come on. I mean, if it would have been Joey, it should have been Joey Keen over Lindgren, if not for the fact that Joey Keen's a right right-handed. He plays the right side, and that's. I think the the playing the offside is a much bigger deal when you're a 20 year old, 22 year old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have the experience of someone like I know the Blues were playing Petrangelo on his offside. Like when you're that good, it's like yeah, whatever. You know, you just do everything backwards. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great. It's a tough question. I like both of your answers more though. Uh, it's Shosturkin has just earned it, every ounce of it, and. 
Rikov is the guy who I just I'm just itching to see. I really just want to see him. He plays the left side. The Rangers' left side is obviously the weakness area. Uh, I'd love to see him get a get a taste of it, Tom. Uh, from Josh Zarkin, Josh underscore Zarkin, who always writes in with questions. Thanks, Josh. Will the Kravstov situation make future players weary of exercising a European assignment clause? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it is a it is a tool in their tool belt. Like they have the option. Who is it, Tom? Help me out. God damn it! Oh, Barry Glazov. Um, yes. Remember, remember what was his first name, Tom? Alexei. Thank you. Um, you know, Barry Glazov had that in his contract. He's like, eh, I'm gonna go, and then I was like, ah, fuck it, it's just not gonna work. Um, and there's this. I feel like for specifically for those European players, this idea of you know, they stand to make more money playing in, in the KHL than they do in the AHL. And that, for a lot of guys who don't feel like they have a realistic, you know, path to the NHL, it just doesn't make sense, right? For, like, um, recently we saw... Actually, we, we failed to mention this on the um, the flagship, Tom, but Billy Meskinen, uh, his contract was terminated by the Rangers. He was put on waivers, um, and his contract was terminated. So that experiment with Billy Meskinen comes to an end um, and uh, not surprisingly so especially because you know Kravstov was coming back and also uh, Nieves was sent down but um, I just I think some maybe in some cases a, a highly touted guy like someone like a Kravstov might think um, but I think honestly it might make frankly general managers more weary of those European assignment clauses um, right? like yeah, because Shishirkin has one, Kravtsov has one, Rikov has one for this year only. So it's something that the Rangers negotiated with quite a few players, so yeah. they're really not all too concerned. Um, but again, it's the the interesting thing is is that when you look at the structure of NHL contracts, you really don't get much um, rights until you're actually an unrestricted free agent because at that point you can you know, negotiate for a no-move clause. You can negotiate for a no-trade clause. But when you're a player you know, coming to terms on your you know, entry-level deal, these European assignment clauses are little protections that you can put in s- to say, you know, if I'm not getting, you know, quote unquote, fair shake with the organization, I can return to overseas where I'm going to get paid, you know, a considerable amount of money. And it's something big to point out because we look at these contracts of like, oh, you know, it's a standard ELC of a cap hit of $925,000, but that money is much lower if you're playing in the American Hockey League. Not the case if you're playing in, say, you know, the KHL, although they're going to be instituting um, a salary cap soon. So it'll be interesting seeing how that works out, although I'm sure that these big powerhouse teams are still going to find ways to, you know, play, play pay players in rubles under the table. I do love a good rubles reference. Um, no, that is an interesting question, though. It got me thinking. Uh, from... Tyler Domenico from TY underscore Domenico 31. With the stacked right hand D, the likelihood of moving one of the three with Niels, meaning Niels Lunk was coming up, Tony D'Angelo seems the easiest to move. If they suggest moving him at this deadline, what kind of return would be realistic? My guess, 
is a second pluser prospect considering his RFA status and cheap salary. So Tom, considering what's coming up in the pipeline on that right-handed D side, including Joey Keane, as we mentioned before, um, you know, Niels Lundqvist there as well, like, if the right, should the right, I guess there's a couple layers to this, right? Do you think the Rangers would move D'Angelo? Like, well, let's start here, because this question I feel like has evolved from training camp. Do you think it's more likely the Rangers trade Tony D'Angelo? Let's say, let's just say before the 2020 draft, okay? Is it more likely they trade him or re-sign him? So, I would say for D'Angelo, it's more likely that they trade him than re-sign him. Just for the, just for the mere fact of Truba's got a massive contract and barring some, you know, unforeseen... Um, circumstance he's going to be on the team and plus they just traded for Adam Fox and he's been everything you want so by you know order of elimination that just leaves D'Angelo yeah so that transitions perfectly to Tyler's question which is what is the return realistic for someone like D'Angelo his guess is second in a prospect uh, considering the fact that he is an RFA and a cheap salary, you know, his, his cap hit, uh, D'Angelo, for those who don't know, um, where is he, Tom? Uh, what, D'Angelo? 925K. So, he, he is, sh- you know, a team that is right up against the cap is going to have plenty of cap room to add him. The problem, though, is he's arbitration eligible, and he's in a position to get quite a good amount of money in arbitration. Uh, yeah, and that I think is a crucial point to mention, but I feel like the counterpoint to that might be that he is still an incredibly attractive option for a team that's looking at him strictly as a rental. Like, if you're looking at him strictly as a rental, if, like, let's say you're like, this guy's going to be a nightmare at arbitration, uh, and it might even be in our best interest to pay for him like a rental and then just not qualify him, you know, or, you know, qualify him and then say, eh, we're going to walk away from, you know, from the whole arbitration proceedings. He is 24. I feel like teams would really kind of know what they're getting there. Which, you know, I feel like, I'm not saying it, it erases the fact that he's arbitration eligible and that he's going to be holding all the cards the next time he mm-hmm. negotiates for a contract, but it hurts his value, but I don't think it blasts a hole through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Because if, even if you're saying, like, oh, we need someone to help the power play. We need a right-handed D, which everyone seems to need, except for the Rangers. Um, the Rangers need a left-handed D. Of course they do. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a second in a prospect is not a bad place to start, just considering what he's done this season. I mean, I kind of agree with Ty there. I feel like that's a... It really depends on how much cap space the team that's acquiring him has. And the thing with D'Angelo, he's got seven goals in 33 games, Tom. Uh, D who score goals like that get paid. And that is a reason for the Rangers to be anxious. And honestly, another reason for them to consider moving him. Um, Because his value is... I'm not sure it can get a lot higher than it is, you know, in terms of the headache that he represents and I'm just to be clear I'm speaking 
specifically about the arbitration, um, not anything else with D'Angelo in this particular case. But yeah, I I would lean toward trading him too, and you know for all the reasons that both Ty and Tom said, and frankly. I feel like you can get a good good little haul for him, even with the arbitration issue. Am I crazy, Tom? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think uh, it's it's just you weigh all of, all the factors, and it's playing time, what he could cost, what you could gain by moving him and not be at a disadvantage. And, um, yeah, I think trading him makes sense. Especially because Adam Fox is a stud. Um, and I guess this is our last... Our last question for this show, Tom, unless I'm mistaken, uh, from Eric Carlson. Crazy theory from E. Carlson99, by the way. Our D is making our goaltending better. Hank and Georgie know they have to bring their A game every night. They're all, they are all theirs to stop the other team. There's no time for complacency. If the D gets better, goalies will get sloppy. So <laughs> Eric, I think, is I think he's reached that point of thinking too deep about this. Um, like, you know, the, that shower thoughts subreddit where it's like, you know, the goalie, the Rangers goalies are good because they know they need to be good. So if, if it happens, right, Mm -hmm. where the defense gets good, Tom, that means the Rangers goalies are going to get bad. I don't think that's the case. I think it's, I think generally speaking, we have a very good understanding of what both of those parties are. And I feel like. The Rangers goalies have been good because uh, Ben Waller is very, very good, and because Georgiev and Henrik Lindqvist are very, very good. Yeah, uh, the only thing I would say about this question is I would say that if anything, the Rangers defense or the Rangers defense's reputation was enhanced for so many years just because of um, the play of, of Henrik Lundqvist. So for years, it was like, oh, this this is a really great defensive team, but you pull back the curtain, it's like, man. Henrik Lundqvist really covered up a, a, a shitload of sins in front of him. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree there. It's I understand the the point he's trying to make here. Um, it's fun because it does feel like that sometimes happens. Like when the D seems to be good, there's that's when a goalie lets in a soft goal. But uh, you know, I think for the most part, the D is just a bit of a mess, and the Rangers goalies are pretty great, all things considered. And the fact that they look as good as they do. Only speaks to, you know, just how, just how above average they are compared to the rest of the league. Because the rest of the league doesn't play behind a defense that just gets their ass handed to them in the shot share all the time, um, and the expected goal differential as well. Uh, we did. I, I forgot, but Tom reminded me. We also had a question from our patron, which I should have read first, but I am bad, Tom. We got yeah. distracted by the raccoons, which is a completely reasonable situation. <laughs> you know what? You, you took me right off the hook there, Tom, and I'm not going to struggle against it. You're right. There's a legitimate reason to save the best for last year, is we had a question relating to raccoons. This is from Michael Canick, who, by the way, is on Team Mike. What team are you on? Um, team Tom. You son of a bitch. I even knew you were going to say it. And honestly, <laughs> believe it or not, I am also on Team Tom, and that's the sad part. Uh... Question from Mike Block in the back row. We're probably too late for this week. Anyways, DQ does a major line revamp before the Preds game last night. Rangers Twitter loses the collective shit. Rangers put up a great game. One of their best all year? Yeah, we talked about it in the flagship uh, against the Preds. In terms of underlying metrics, at least according to The Athletic, 
Rangers lose anyways. I'm just at a loss for how to digest this. I know one is a really small sample size, and sometimes shit just happens in hockey. But was the line change good? Was Twitter wrong? Was the underlying play we saw just luck? Does DQ know what he's doing? Help me, Obi Banter Kenobi. You're my only hope. Tom, help Michael Canick. So I guess I would say the best way to sort of look at this is the the it's it's kind of interesting because the Rangers went on their road trip and they they played in in Anaheim. They had a quick turnaround and you would have expected them to look kind of flat against the Predators because it yeah. but but it, that wasn't the case. Um I think part of it was and, and again, it, it's a hard question to give like a really good answer to. So the best way I can look at it is this. Quinn was looking to sort of shake things up, but for the most part, the fundamental pieces stayed in the same place. So, you know, the ter- the ice time Panarin was getting, the ice time that uh, Zibanejad was getting, and there are two players who, you know, they're pretty big drivers on this team. So they were making things happen. Um, and it was a game where they kept pressing, kept pressing, kept pressing. And I don't know if it's something that is going to continue. They'll have a good test against a Toronto Maple Leafs team that is very offensive in nature, not the greatest defensive team in the world. Um, and if these lines stay together, it'll be a sample size of, of two. So, I I would say this: I we we do re- overreact to line changes, and we're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this myself. I'm not guilty of this. I'm perfectly reasonable all the time. Well, that was just a you know a, a given. Um, but I think the. In the context of what they're looking to accomplish with the rebuild, I think you want to get to a point where it's okay. We know every game Panarin's going to be with so and so and so and so. You know, whether it's Banajad or Heedle, okay, that's a combo that's going to stick. And then it's going to be, you know, Buchnevich and Heedle. That's going to be a combination that sticks. Because. One of the things where it's most troublesome is the defense because defense is very much a situation where you develop chemistry with a partner and you get to know it's like, okay, if I do this, I know where my partner is going to be and okay, I can join this rush because they're going to stay back. But when you're playing with a bunch of different partners night in and night out, you don't quite get their tendencies down and you might go for a pinch and they don't pick up on it and it leads to an odd man rush against and a, and a goal is scored. We've seen that at times where you know the defenders just bump into each other because they're not used to their tendencies and they're trying, quote-unquote, patrolling the same patch of ice. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say it's a situation of Let's not read into just one game because, as we mentioned on the flagship, we've seen these situations where they have a really good game against San Jose, and then, you know, they have backward progress. And then here we go again, going up the roller coaster again against the Predators, and they lose. I think what might have been the case with this game is I think Artemi Panarin specifically just had an outstanding game. 
Um, and I think that influenced a lot of things. I'm looking at natural stat trick and looking at the Rangers forward lines. If you look at actually just the, uh, you know, the raw Corsi, uh, you know, the shot shared five on five, I think the Rangers actually were out, you know, outplayed in terms of the shot share, but they really did much better in terms of expected goal differential. And I feel like the reason that was is the Rangers, when they had their chances, they executed very well at creating those high danger scoring chances, which resulted in having a higher, you know, goals for. Uh, percentage, expected goals for a percentage. You know, why they didn't win this game is, you know, honestly, I think it comes down to every once in a while you, the Rangers goaltending isn't, you know, outstanding. It's, it's okay or it's, it's fine. And, you know, there are games where, you know, <laughs> where the Rangers defense is particularly crappy. Um, I'd have to watch this one again to, to deem if that was the root cause here. But, um, I feel like it was a reasonable... Uh, it's important not to get too swept up in either a w- one shake-up of the lines, and also not also important not to get too wrapped up in like the other part of that, which is the like the one-game sample size. Like the fact that we saw a lot of, you know, and by a lot I mean you know in terms of five on five. I should clarify, Tom, but like a line of. Greg McKegg, Philip Hedl, and Pavel Buchnevich was the third most frequent line at 5-on-5. It was really weird. And guess what? It did really poorly. uh, Which is not at all surprising, right? Um, The the line that we saw the most of was Kreider, Zibanejad, and Fast. Uh, The second line was the Panarin, Strom, and Brennan Lemieux. Um, That line of all the lines had the best game by far. And... You know, they were on the ice for a little bit more than that third line. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Capo Caco hardly played, of course. But it's uh, it's the small sample size, honestly, to answer your question, Michael. And I feel like the other part of it is... It, the, I feel like the, the more valuable... Like, these stats are more valuable when we add context to them and we get away from those one-game sample sizes. When we talk about, you know... I always think about what that magic number is, and for me, I like to think around between six and eight games is when you can really start getting an idea for a trend, Um, because you just need those minutes, specifically because it's not even you get 60 minutes from every game. You specifically look at even strength or five on five, and so in a lot of games, you maybe play between 40 and 45 minutes of five on five hockey, right? So you get down to even a smaller sample size from there so you need you need a lot more to see what's going on with all that being said yeah uh, it's the underlying numbers were really peculiar for this game uh, I feel like this was honestly as I said before a case of Panarin being a goddamn magician and um, yeah you know it was it was a goofy goofy game to say the least and it is a game that as we talked about in the flagship and Tom cracked me up when he just said, like, I said the refs were against the Rangers, and Tom said physics were against the Rangers with uh, Panarin and that puck that just stopped on the goal line. That was just a bunch of, bunch of ballyhoo tomfoolery. Anyway, Tom, I think that was the bottom of the mailbag, right, buddy? Yeah, we uh, another another week where we have uh, a full uh, full length uh, off the post, and it's it's made possible by everyone, you know, submitting their questions with bannering points. And, you know, if you, as we always say, if you have any 
uh, additional you know questions feedback feel free to drop us a line there and you know you can always you know join our our patreon and you know submit questions like uh like mr michael canick did Yeah, that's what you do. You send us a little question, we uh, we read it. Unless you send a question about raccoons, then we'll probably read that first. I mean, I don't... Watch that clip now of the raccoon with the cotton candy. Yeah, I'm probably going to do that after I uh, edit. It'll break your heart. It's adorable, but it's like, that's just mean. Yeah, it, it's rough. Poor little Rakin. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to do much better than that. All right, folks. Um, I hope everyone finishes your uh, your holiday shopping and you stay warm. Tom, you're getting more snow than I am because you're further north. Uh, I'm already tired of the snow and the cold. I don't like it. I tolerate the cold very well, but I don't like the snow. It's too much. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. It's going to be a cold night tonight. Uh, at least where I am, it's going to be, I think, like 10 degrees. So I'm going to make sure I have my extra blankets on my bed. Never enough blankets, Tom. That's the rule of thumb. And with that, folks, we bid you adieu. Bye!